He was on this earth for about 33 and a half years. His ministry lasted about three and a half years. But his life transformed, and I want you to hear me this morning. His life transformed all the lives that he touched. But not only did his life transform all the lives that he touched then, his life has transformed the lives of every person that would allow him to transform their lives since. And so some 2,020 years later, he's still transforming lives. Some 2,020 years later, he's still the healer. He's still the Savior. He's still the deliverer. He's still the King and the Lord and the Savior. He's still the one true living God. Uh, I wonder if there's anybody in this house that appreciates that. So for a few moments, I want to preach about the Savior. Not a Savior, but the Savior. What's His name? Does anybody know what His name is? His name is Jesus. Now I want you to think for a moment how that God changed your life and how God is still changing you today. Somehow get it in the back of your mind, in the forefront of your mind, wherever you want it. But I want you to think about uh, what God has done in your life. For some of you, God healed you. For some of you, God delivered you. God set you free. For some of you, God put your marriage back together, put your family back together. And if you're walking with God today, then you're saved by the grace and the mercy of God. It's likely that most of us did not grow up in the church. Some of you did, and you're blessed. But most of us did not grow up in the church. Most of us have a testimony of where we used to be and where we are today. If you never got into drugs or alcohol because you grew up in the church, that's awesome. God bless you. I am so grateful for you. But some of you that are here today know what it's like to be set free and delivered by the hand of God. And even if you grew up in the church, my oldest son was in the church, in church, in service, just a few days after he was born, we had him in church. Now, I'm not talking a week later. I'm talking like three or four days later. Right after my wife got out of the hospital, a day or two later, we were in the church. He was in the church uh, uh, right after, just, just days after being born. Now, I understand some people don't do that. Now, I'm not putting any of that down. I'm just saying that's the way we did it. And so I, and, 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 and I'm grateful for that. But I want to go back for just a moment and, and try to introduce a thought and an idea to you. I want to somehow change you or challenge you. If God has done anything for you, I want to ask you, how grateful are you? I want you to think about it for a moment. If the Lord were to come right now and you've been obedient to the gospel, you have repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Lord came right now and ushered us into the presence of God, 
ushered us into heaven. Now, maybe I need to touch on this for a minute. The Bible talks about heaven as having streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl. It talks about living for eternity without any pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no, no, no heart disease. There's, there's, there's not going to be any more arthritis, no more migraines. Am I starting to paint a little bit of a picture for you? That for all eternity we're going to live in the heaven of heavens. We are going to live in heaven because he made a way for us. Now, if, if that is you and you're going to make it to heaven when the Lord comes back, or, or should the Lord tarry and you pass from this life, uh, you're going to be ushered by the angels into the presence of God. How grateful are you? Is there anybody that's thankful for that? Now, I want you to think for just a moment. Where would you have been, or where would you be today without God? I need to challenge your thinking for just a minute. Because what I feel like is this, Brother Brown, I feel like too many of us are trying to coast along in our walk with God. And so I want you to think for a moment, where would you be without God's intervention? Where would you be without the hand of God in your life? Some of you wouldn't even be alive today. It's by God's grace and by God's mercy that you are here today. You're able to feel the presence of God. Some of you had a heart attack and you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God. And so I want you to understand that it's by God's grace and by God's intervention that we are here. Now, I want to ask you another question. How many of you have ever made the same mistake more than once? All right, about half of you are honest. The rest of you, well, you're not so honest. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like you, you, kind, of, you kind of go like this, duh. Why did I do that again? Hello? <laughs> and, and so... We, would, we might tell ourselves, I sh have you ever told yourself, I should know better? Or, I should have learned my lesson. The other day, I went flying through a red light. I mean, I didn't just coast through a red light. I went flying through a red light. <laughs> yes, I asked the Lord to forgive me. But I first looked around for the cops. I mean, it, what, I, I'm telling you, it was one of those things. I'm like, I'm under the red light. I hadn't even touched my brake. I hadn't touched the pedal. I, I'm, I, I'm just cruising along, and then as I'm passing underneath the red light, I'm going, uh-oh. Yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I'm grateful there weren't any cops there, but I'm also grateful that there weren't any cars that were trying to merge into that same intersection. I'm grateful for God's mercy and God's grace. God helped me that moment. I don't even, Sister Angie, I don't even know what I was thinking. I don't, I don't think I was thinking anything. I don't know what I was doing. It was one of those things that's like, whoa, hold on just a minute. 
And, and so there I am, and I'm literally blindsided by the fact that I just went under a red light, grateful for the fact that the cops weren't there and they didn't pull me over. But I'm, I, I was thinking, I've done this before. Thankfully, not too many times, but I've done this before. And I'm thinking, I didn't even learn my lesson. Now I want to ask you a question. Have you gotten to the place where you have forgotten where God brought you from? Have you gotten to the place in your walk with God uh, that you, you have kind of been so blessed for so long uh, that you forget how grateful you are? I thought this part of the message would be a little quieter. So let me ask this question then. How far have you come since giving your life to God? I want to challenge you a little bit. How far have you come? Now, some of you might be brand new in the church, and so you haven't come very far yet. But if you, if you, if you continue walking with the, with the Lord, then you will get closer and closer to the Lord, and God will do more and more things for you. So I challenge you on asking you another question. What has God done for you? I can tell you that not only has he saved me, but he healed me. Not only has he healed me, but he's delivered me. And he's encouraged me and he's blessed me and he's helped me. Time and time again, if I could somehow ever get pen to paper and say this is what God has done for my life or in my life and listed it, it would be a whole volume of the grace and mercy of God. That being said, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 says, but we all, everybody say all. Look at your neighbor and say all. Now that means you, that means me, that means all of us. All right, if you get out your Greek and your Hebrew and all of that, the word all means all. All right, it's not complicated, it just means all. All right, that means everybody. It says, for, for we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed under the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So let me go back. It says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass. In other words, if you have a mirror in front of you, you are looking at a miracle. Now, I know some of you avoided the mirror today because I can tell. Just kidding. (laughs) But... Sorry, Brother Steve, I didn't mean to call you out on that. I'm just kidding, Brother Steve. I'm just kidding. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. In other words, you are a living, walking, breathing miracle. Did you hear me or did that just somehow go in one ear and out the other? You are a living, walking, breathing miracle. If you look in the mirror, you're looking at a miracle. Now, James chapter 1, verse 23 through 25, it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. 
For it goes on, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I'm going to stop there for just a moment and tell you this. When you look in the mirror later, later, you better recognize the fact that you are a living, walking miracle. And don't forget it. That's what this verse is talking about. For he beholdeth his face and goeth, uh, beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I better, Brother Brown, I better never forget the gutter that God pulled me out of. I better never forget the distance from there to here that God has done in my life. I don't want the everyday blessings of God, the everyday mercies of God, the everyday grace of God to somehow foreshadow the fact that I was lost, I was undone, I was as far away from God as I could ever possibly be, and He reached down from the throne of grace and He pulled me out of the muck and the mire of sin and ungodliness, I better never forget that. I better never forget when I look in the mirror that it's by God's grace that I'm breathing today. The next verse goes on. It says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, uh, and being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, uh, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. Uh, don't ever forget what God has done for you. Don't ever forget the blessings of God. And let me go a step further. You ought to give him some praise for it. Amen. How many things, how many gifts has God given you? You know what? And, 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 and I want to make sure I publicly say this because we did post it out on the bulletin board there. But you, you blessed us during the holiday season and our anniversary and everything. And then, of course, there's a, the, the gift that you've given us for our, for our 40th anniversary that we're going to be able to go to Niagara Falls soon. And I appreciate that so much. But I want to thank you. You didn't have to do that. We didn't expect it. You didn't have to do it, but we thank you. And, and really, I feel totally unworthy of it. But I still want to thank you. Now, I hope that if anybody gave you anything for Christmas, you said thank you. Or maybe you don't do that anymore. But if somebody gave you a gift, you ought to say thank you. You know what? L let me stop for just a minute. Guys, listen to me, all you guys. If you're walking into a store, walking into Dunkin' Donuts or something, and there's a lady behind you, hold the door open. Where has chivalry gone? Hold the door open. Now, there have been a few ladies that I held the door open, and they just kind of marched through, didn't say nothing, and I, I almost felt like grabbing them, shoving them back out the door and closing the door. I felt that way a few times. I haven't done it. I've thought it. I thunk it. <laughs> but most of the time, those very precious ladies say, thank you. And sometimes... I don't know if it's an age thing or what, Brother Brown, but sometimes they hold the door for me. I'm like, uh-uh, no way. I'm not getting that old yet. Ladies first. <laughs> so, guys, you want to score some points? All right? Open the door for the ladies. 
And even if they don't say thank you, it's still the right thing to do. I've got to be good. I'm really, really trying. But it's important that people say thank you when you've been blessed. I'll never forget, and I don't know why the Lord brought this to my attention, but a few months ago, I was over at, uh, there's, a, there's a bagel place I like going to. I treat myself to a bagel every once in a while uh, over in Plainville. And I, I went there uh, a few months ago, and there was a lady soldier that was there. She was in the line a couple spaces behind me. And she, so she didn't hear what I said, but when I went up to the register, <clears throat> I said to the lady there, here's an extra $20. Whatever she wants for breakfast this morning, give it to her. And the lady at the register began to cry. And I said, really, it's not that big a deal, and I don't want you to tell her what I did. I just want to bless her. Not only is she a lady, but she's also serving our country, and I want her to know that I appreciate it. So I grabbed my bagel and I grabbed my coffee and I tried to go sit over in the corner and I'm sitting there and I and, and I literally I just totally forgot about what I just did. I'm eating my delicious everything bagel, sausage, egg, and cheese. It was, I mean, it was just absolutely heavenly and the coffee was great and I'm just enjoying that and all of a sudden I feel a little tap on my shoulder and I look up and I see that lady soldier there with tears in her eyes saying thank you. And I began to think about that just now this morning, that how many times and what level, I mean, God did more than buy you a bagel and buy you a coffee. He did just a little bit more than that. No, maybe he did a whole lot more than that. He didn't just buy you a bagel and coffee. He bought you eternity. He bought you freedom. He bought you liberty. He bought you, he bought you a peace of mind when your mind used to be a mess, but now you've got peace of mind. He purchased that for you. Oh, let's thank him. Go ahead, clap your hands to the Lord. He is worthy. You may be seated, so a couple more questions. I want to ask questions. I want to ask you this first. Uh, do you really take God seriously? I hope you do. And the next is this. Uh, do we take our mission seriously? Because it's more than just a building that's warm with nice chairs and beautiful carpet. It's, our mission is more than just coming here on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night and a Wednesday night and hearing a Bible study. Our mission is so more, uh, so much greater than that. Uh, amen. We have got to take God seriously and we have to take our mission seriously. And I'll say it like this, no, it's not someone else's job to reach the world, it's your job. It's not just the preacher's job, it's not just the evangelist's job, it's your job, it's my job to reach the world with the gospel. 
And so what if I can say this after everything that has gone before this? uh, What is your salvation worth? Uh, What can you do to say thank you to the Almighty for saving you? If we were to somehow pay for eternity, how much would it cost us? I I don't think there's, you could just couldn't put a price on it. There's no way, Sister Helen, you can't put a price on what it would cost for eternity. But if it, it, the fact that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven instead of hell, that's worth something. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, it says, And Jesus said unto him, No man have putting in his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Uh, the idea or the concept behind that is this, uh, that when you're plowing, you want the fur- furrows or you want, you want the plow to plow straight. Uh, if you've got your hand on the plow and you look back, it's going to start doing this. It's going to go different directions. It's not going to be straight. I remember my teenage years when I was learning how to drive. Uh, um, you know, I would always try to keep my eyes right on the, the yellow lines or on the lines that were on the road, and the car would always go like this a lot. Uh, and my mother told me something always keep your eyes in the distance. If you will see where you're going way ahead, it will help keep you straight here. But if you're constantly focusing right next to where you're at, you're going to be doing this all the time. Plus, some of those guys that paint the lines on the highway are drunk half the time anyhow. Just, I'm sorry. I'm really just kidding. I hope you're not a line painter. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name. Sister Marie, I'm trying to be nice. I'm, try, I'm not trying to be funny this morning, but it's coming out that way. So if we are to really think about it, if we're really, uh, so let me go back to this, this phrase first. Uh, Jesus said unto them, no man having put his hand to the plow and looketh back is fit for the kingdom of God. When God called you into the church, he called you with a mission. He called you with something to do more than just occupy a seat on Sunday morning. God called you into the church to win people to him. That's your job description, win somebody. Thank you, Sister Ellen. So if we really think about it, our salvation comes, as I said a moment ago, with a job description. Jesus asks us to go. He said, go into the highways. Go into the byways and preach the gospel to everybody. You're looking at somebody that has taught home Bible studies uh, and I've sat at somebody's table and they hand me a glass of water and it's got lip marks all over the glass. And it's a little slippery, by the way. (laughs) And I, I drank anyhow because if God can keep us from getting bit by snakes and getting poisoned and killed and all of that, he can keep me and sanctify that glass of filthy water. I've sat at, at people's kitchen tables with, uh, with. have you ever, they, they're not very present too much now, but have you ever seen those old, um, uh, like, glue st- sticks or those, those strips that people would hang from the wall? Fly, the fly, you know, the, the, the sticky... Not, 
uh, fly trap, but it's that sticky, you know, that sticky paper. And so I remember eating at somebody's house one day, looking up, and at a, right over my head, a piece of that sticky fly paper, all full of flies. Brother Duro, and I'm thinking, like, I hope they're really stuck because I don't want them to fall into my mashed potatoes. I've gone and touched, and, and I'm just going to talk to you for a minute. I've taught home Bible studies where, where you know, husband and wife are arguing and the kids are all, you know, just cry, crying all over the place and crawling all over the place, and it just seems like an absolute mess, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, God, why did you call me to do this? I mean, I'm thinking I'm getting nowhere with this fast and fast. I, in fact, I'm going backwards. I'm not going forwards. This, this is just a mess. But yet, a week or two later, those same people are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. So when we look at Jesus' ministry, it was all about people. I appreciate good music. I appreciate the drums and the, the guitar and the keyboard and the accordion and everything that we have. I appreciate all of that. I appreciate the praise singers. And yes, that is a part of ministry today. I understand that, but that's not what it's all about. Uh, that's ministry here. But what about the ministry the rest of the time during the week? Uh, that's real ministry. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the church really happens. Uh, we come here to celebrate what God has done done and then we go out and we're supposed to go to work so when we look at, at, at Jesus ministry it was all about people it was all about reaching and touching and healing Every miracle seemed to have a reason attached to it. When he turned the water into wine it was to save, save someone from great embarrassment. When there was a great haul of fishes, that was because he needed to get the attention of the disciples so that they could follow him. When he cast out the devil from the man in the temple, it caused people to see Jesus and his authority. When he cured Peter's mother-in-law, it was so that she could help feed them. Maybe some of the miracles weren't as noble as others, but there were still miracles nonetheless. Jesus healed a man that was leprous and he witnessed to so many people that no matter where Jesus went, uh, he was thronged with crowds of people. He healed the centurion's servant uh, and, and that was all about the fact uh, that even somebody that was not uh, a Jewish person but in fact was a Gentile could understand the truth of the Word of God uh, and receive a miracle. He healed the widow's son, and that was about his power to overcome death uh, as she was literally following the casket of her precious little child, uh, and they were walking out of the city. Jesus stopped the funeral possession. Now, I'm not recommending that you, that you flag over the hearse and say, hold on just a minute. I mean, unless the Lord tells you to do that. If the Lord tells you to do that, you better go ahead and do it. But Jesus, if you can think of it in today's terminology, he pulled his motorcycle up in front of the, uh, up in front of the hearse. Well, maybe Jesus wouldn't have rode it Harley. I don't know. Anyhow, 
just kind of get it for just a moment. He stops the casket. He stops the funeral procession, and he lays hands on that casket, and he raises that child to life again. Why did he do that? He did that because he felt the compassion for that mom that lost her only son. That's the Savior that we serve. Would somebody say amen? He, uh, he stilled the storm, and when he did that, it was to show how that he had power even over the weather. He healed the demon-possessed man, proving that what man can't do, God can do. He healed the paralytic man, proved that it proved that Jesus could heal someone even if they didn't have their own faith. And I love that story. If you remember in the Bible where, where, where some men took their, their friend uh, and they literally tied his bed to rope and they, they ripped open the roof, the thatched roof uh, of the house where Jesus was and they lowered him down at the feet of Jesus. Uh, and if you look at the story, Jesus looks up uh, and he says, when he saw their faith. The man himself didn't have enough faith to get healed but when he looked up through the hole in the roof and he saw their faith, he said, you are healed. That's the God that we serve. The woman with the issue of blood, all she had to do was touch his clothes. Uh, and, and it was that strong faith that caused her healing. Jesus healed a man that could not speak. But when he healed them, people said, we have never seen it like this before. Jesus healed the lame man who had been sick for 38 years. Uh, and it was to prove that nothing is impossible with God. Uh, you can be sick for 38 years and God can still heal you. Jesus heals a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath, which according to Jewish law was not supposed to happen. But God is its proving that God is not restricted by time and circumstances. It doesn't have to be a Sunday morning at 1030 in the morning for somebody to get healed. It could be a Monday at the coffee table at work and you can pray for somebody and God can heal them. In the feeding of multitudes, it proved that God can take that very little thing uh, and feed thousands upon thousands with it. The healing in the, uh, in the woman at Cana, uh, her daughter, who is a Gentile, she was a Gentile, her daughter was a Gentile, but it proves that God responds to the need uh, of faith, No, and he is no respecter of persons. Uh, Jesus did that and so much more. If everything Jesus did uh, during his ministry was written in the book, the Bible, it was written in the book, the Bible says uh, the world could not contain the volumes. Uh, I need to preach to somebody this morning uh, that our purpose in the church has got to be clarified. Uh, we've got to understand that it's not about buildings and it's not about programs. Uh, it's about the people. It's about getting this message into their hands. I fear that there's too much apathy in the church. God help us to pray through to understand that if we don't reach them, they will not be reached. Can God use buildings and programs? Yes, but that's not what it's all about.
Jesus taught the disciples and then sent them. In Matthew 10, verses 5 through 8, it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. At that time, he said, Don't go to the Gentiles. But uh, he said, unto, the, uh, unto any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, uh, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, free you have received freely give all our salvation ever cost us was giving up some of the stuff that was not good for us in the first place Jesus trained the twelve and then sent them out to do the work of the ministry we should never forget the work of the ministry or our job description as the church. As the screen says behind me, it is simply this, go. Just go. When you get a chance to encourage somebody, then encourage somebody. When you get a chance to, to pray for somebody, pray for somebody. When you get a chance to witness to somebody, just witness to them. He simply says, go. And so this year in 2020, I believe God's eyesight. In fact, they, they always tell us the perfect eyesight is 2020. And so if we could, and maybe I, I'm not going to spend a long time on that, uh, but if vision is 2020, then God's vision is go. In Mark 16 and 15, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not everyone went by, uh, the, the, or, I'm sorry, not everyone, uh, not one day when Jesus, I, I'm, Sorry, I'm thinking about something else. I'm my mind's going too quick. Not every, not everyone that Jesus uh, uh, walked by was healed, but many of the people that he did were interested in healing and wanted him to touch their lives. But not any person that he touched ever went without some sort of a miracle. So what are we doing, if I can say it like this, what are we doing to touch the lives of those that are around us? When the Disciples were going into the temple, and I referred to this earlier in Acts chapter 3, starting verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful to ask alms or to ask money of them that entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked alms or asked for money. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him and John, with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them or he, it caught his attention. Expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk. Verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Then we see the results of the miracle. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. By the way, he was a Jewish man. We can tell that because he went into the temple. If he was not a Jewish man, he would not have gone into the temple. But let me back up and say this. That was his first time walking through the doors of the church. 
You want to know how and why I can say that? Uh, is because people that had infirmities were not allowed into the temple. So I don't, we don't know how old he was, but evidently, let's say he was 20 or 30 years old. For 20 or 30 years, he had never gone through the doors of the temple. But in that moment, he was leaping and walking and jumping, and he went into the temple with the disciples, uh, and the people gathered around. I'm not going to read the rest of the scripture, but the people gathered around and honored what God was doing. Uh, I believe, what, what would happen? What would happen in the city of New Britain if as we pray? for somebody, their legs would straighten out and they would be able to walk for the first time in their life. What would happen if deaf ears were unstopped and blind, blinded eyes were open? What would happen when we pray for somebody's marriage and God does a miracle in their marriage and people begin to talk about it? God be praised and God will do a great work, wouldn't he? So we need to take our walk with God seriously and go and preach as God has asked us to. And again, our theme for this year is go. We, we often, or at least many of us, think uh, of going as, as uh, you know, it should be somebody else's job or, or that it's just handing somebody an invitation to church. And that is true, but going is a lot more than that. And Brother Duru, by the way, I appreciate you so very much because he and his sons are so diligent about going out and handing out invitations to our church. And we're going to do a much better job as a church uh, doing that but that's not the only thing uh, going is praying for somebody going is visiting somebody in the hospital or making a meal going uh, is offering a ride or fixing a car uh, going is showing somebody that you care Going could be volunteering volunteering at a soup kitchen or taking time to mentor somebody. And so from the beginning, God instructed his people to make provision for the needy. We see that early on in the scriptures. Uh, they, they, uh, they even took special offerings to meet the needs of the poor and the widows and the orphans. Uh, God is going is supporting missions and preaching the truth. Uh, going is teaching home Bible studies. Going is doing outreach. Going is giving and supporting the church. We need to broaden our view of what it means to go. God help us when we begin to digress to the point where we think going means coming to church Sunday morning. And by the way, this is just a quick little ad. It would be awesome if somebody in our church would volunteer to head up and organize ways that our church could get out into the community this year and to volunteer in our community. And if that's you, if God has already been talking to you about that, then you come either see me or Brother Brown. Uh, it's not something that we can add to our plates. Uh, uh, and I will go and I will volunteer, but we need somebody to organize that. And if that is you, then you need to come see me. Because God wants to use our church to get outside of our four walls and get out into the community and do what God has called us to do. Amen. If we really remember what God has done for us, then we will get emotional about it. And I look out many times as we are worshiping Sunday mornings and there's times where I see men and ladies out there with tears in their eyes. And I can tell as that worship is going up to God, they're thinking about where would I be if it were not for God's mercy? 
Praise God. I thank the Lord for what he is going to do in our church this year. And so in, in a moment, we're going to close if our musicians would come. If we really appreciate what God has done and the way he has done things in our lives, and if we appreciate the gospel, if we appreciate the freedom that we have today, then we will begin to honor God and glorify him. Amen. How many of you are grateful for where God has brought you from? Are you truly grateful for the fact that you have the things you have today, but by the grace of God? I know there's people out there today, you would not be alive if it were not for God this morning. Some of you have houses you don't deserve. Some of you have apartments you don't deserve. And cars you don't deserve. And food in the refrigerator and in the cupboards that you don't really deserve. Now, I'm not saying you're lazy or anything like that. I'm just simply saying the reality is God has blessed us. He has truly blessed us. And I'm not trying to diminish any of those blessings. I'm trying to get you to stop focusing on the blessings and start focusing on being thankful for those blessings. Could you stand with me this morning? If you've been forgetting where he has brought you from, and it has caused you to do more sitting than going, then I want God to stir your heart today. If you've been focusing on the blessings of God and that time that somebody started talking about the trouble they're going through in their life and you just said, well, maybe somebody will pray for them. Instead, God would stir you. I'm asking that God would stir you and help you to realize maybe you're that person that should go and pray for them. What we need to do is take the church to the streets. We need to take, take the church to the workplace and to the grocery store. I remember, and I've this sister in the church that has talked to me a few times about how She's been out at the grocery store, and some of the people that she's met at the grocery store have come to the house of God. I say, sister, you know who you are. Keep doing a good work for God because God is going to keep blessing your testimony. If we will open our minds and our understanding and ask God to truly help us, then we will become the servants that God wants us to be and to simply understand that when you get up Monday morning, it's time to go. When you get up Tuesday morning, it's time to go. When you get up Wednesday morning, time to go. Thursday morning, time to go. Friday morning, time to go. Saturday, time to go. And it's more than just go to church. It's to be the church. I, and I, it's already happened many times, but I look forward to the phone calls when somebody says, you know what, I was out talking to somebody about the Lord, uh, and they were talking about how they've been praying about getting baptized, and they want to get baptized in Jesus' name. Can I bring them to the church, and can we baptize them? Absolutely, yes. 
I look forward to the moments when you call me, and it's happened before, but I look forward to it again when somebody calls and says, you know, Pastor Tryon, I prayed for that lady at work today, and they told her she had cancer and they would have to abort that baby, but I prayed for her. She went to the hospital uh, yesterday, and they came back with the, with, with the testimony and said, uh, you know what? We don't see that cancer anymore. We don't see that disease anymore. You don't have to abort that baby. You can keep that baby, and you can and bring it into the world. You say, do things like that happen? There's a lady here this morning that was told years ago that she had to abort her baby because of cancer, and her baby is alive and well today. And if I remember right, that child is about 10 or 11 years old today. An absolute miracle. And they told her, you have to abort this. It's going to kill you, and it's going to kill the baby. But she said, no, I have faith that God's going to do a miracle. If God can do those things yesterday, he can still do those today. So this altar is open. If there's anybody that feels compelled to go, maybe the Lord has pricked your heart, then you want to just say, Lord, I'm committing in the year 2020. I'm committing once again. I'm going to go. I'm going to teach. I'm going to preach. I'm going to do what you've called me to do, Lord. Uh, I am your servant. Uh, here am I, Lord. Send me. And so this altar is open, and it's open to those that the prayer in, on your lips today is going to be, here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me this year, Lord. Use me. I'm not looking for the glory. I'm not looking for the honor. I want you to use me. I just want to go, Lord. I just want to go. I want you to do what you have commissioned me to do. I want to go into the highways and the byways. I want to preach the gospel to every creature. If that's you this morning, these altars are open. Brother Brown is going to come and lead the altar call. Would you just pray with us? We're going to pray that the Lord would just give us a go.